Thanks for joining us today. God wants to do so much for you and through you, and we want to hear about it. Take a second and send your story to amen at citychurchfl.org. And if you'd like to partner with this ministry financially, you can do that by going to citychurchfl.org slash give and select the giving option that works best for you. Once again, thank you so much for joining us, and we hope you enjoyed today's message. I heard a story this week about a, a brand new pastor that moved into a community and took over a small little church, and he wanted to get to know his members better, so he decided he'd go out and do home visitation. So he went to visit one of his uh, members, and he saw the lights inside, and he thought he heard some movement, and he knocked on the door, and there was no answer. And knocked again, and still no answer. Knocked one more time, and still no answer. Yeah, that's strange. And so he took his business card out on there, and he wrote Revelation 3.20. Stuck it in the crack of the door and went on his way. Didn't think much about it. And the next Sunday, the ushers had received the offering. And, and uh, someone had dropped a little card into the offering plate. And so the ushers, like they do when they get a card like that, they sit it on the pastor's desk. And so the pastor came in on Monday and he saw, the, he saw his card. He saw the Revelation 3.20. And then below it, he saw a little cryptic message. Genesis chapter 3, verse number 10. So he knew Revelation 3.20 because he wrote that, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Genesis 3.20 says, And I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid, for I was naked. <laughs> All right, we're not naked today, amen? We're in this series entitled The Invisible War. And God hasn't left us naked today. God has given us every weapon. They're spiritual weapons, but to engage in the spiritual battle that we are in, and it's a real battle, the spiritual battle that we are in against the enemy of our soul. Our text has been Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 18, and this morning we are going to stand in the honor of reading God's word. It'll be up on the screen. I would also encourage you to bring your Bibles or use your phone or however you choose to read the Bible this morning, but I would encourage you to follow along as we read Ephesians chapter 6, beginning with verse number 10. The Bible says, finally, finally, everyone say finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full body armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, and against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, everyone say therefore. Put on the full body armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you'll be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, and after you've done everything to stand. And then the first couple of weeks, we talked about standing. We talked about what it looked like when we put on the, the breastplate of righteousness and had our belt girded about with truth and our feet shod with the gospel, the preparation of peace. And then last week, I talked about the shield of faith. And then this morning, verse number 17 is going to be our emphasis. We're going to talk about the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit. Look at verse number 17. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. And with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all of the Lord's people. This morning I want to talk to you on how to do battle against your enemy and when. How to do battle against the enemy, your enemy, and when you may be seated. 
I had our soldier, Soldier Sam, last week, and Soldier Sam is equipped for battle. Now, I know Soldier Sam is a mid-century knight, right? He's a mid-century knight, and he didn't, this wouldn't what a Roman soldier looked like, but he's just a prop here, and he's going to help me out a little bit today, because he does have a helmet on, and he does also have a sword today. But the Roman soldiers, they were unique in that they were the greatest military army that the world had ever assembled up to that time in human history. They were bad, they were powerful, the training regime that the Roman soldier would go through to actually become a soldier was quite extensive. They were prepared for battle. When they would walk into a community, they would stand tall. They would have this great big helmet, and that helmet was really decorated kind of nicely, and it, it was something that signified that these people were significant. These people were important. These people were prepared for battle. The Roman government had, had by this time, by the time Paul the Apostle was writing to the church of emphasis, they had dominated the whole known world in their generation. And one of the primary responsibility, one of the primary responsibilities of the Roman soldier was to keep peace. See, Rome had built uh, roads to all the major cities of the known world of that time, and the Roman soldiers would go up and down these roads. The roads were actually called Pax Romana, the peace of Rome. The peace of Rome, or the roads of peace. And they would protect these roads, and they would quell enemies that would try to start insurrections. They were always prepared for battle. And that's the backdrop of Paul speaking to us today. Paul the apostle is challenging the believers to prepare themselves to engage in battle against the enemy and plan to win. Now, we're in a real life battle today. If you don't know that, you are, you're greatly mistaken. Every person in this room. About two weeks ago, I was uh, watching television with my wife on a Thursday evening, and I was watching my favorite show right now. It's called Shark Tank. Maybe some of you have heard of that before. And I like Shark Tank and Mr. Wonderful. <laughs> I like Mr. Wonderful. He's just so wonderful. But I was watching Shark Tank, and while I was sitting there, all of a sudden, I just had this weird feeling, this emotion. It was actually like fear come over me. And it, was, and it was not related to anything on the program. It was just something that, that just hit me. And I had this thought that I was going to die. I just, it just came over me. I thought, I'm going to die. And I, I don't know where that came from. I don't know how that popped into my brain. I don't know, know why I thought those thoughts. But all of a sudden, I just felt like I'm going to die. Now, I have a backdrop in that, and, and I do have in the back of my memory, my mother passed away at 53. I'm 53 years of age, and my father passed away at 59. And so in the backdrop of my world and my life, I'm very cognizant, and I'm very aware. I've hit a place in a station of life. No man has a promise of tomorrow. I understand that. I'm going to finish that story in just a moment. But I want you to know today, I'm in a spiritual battle. You're in a spiritual battle. And so we struggle, not against flesh and blood, Paul says, but principalities and powers and rulers of darkness in heavenly places. The enemy has assignment for your life. The enemy's plan for your life is to kill, steal, and to destroy. He hates you. He hates your family. He hates your marriage. He hates everything that you stand for. He hates God. He hates the kingdom of God. He hates the people of God. And his plan, his plan and his purpose on planet earth is to wreak havoc is to wreak havoc, is to bring hell into people's life and hell for eternity for people who reject and resist God and follow him. But Paul has challenged us today. Paul has challenged us to put on the full armor of God. You see, God doesn't want casualties. 
God doesn't want MIAs. God doesn't want AWOLs. God doesn't want people walking with PDST. God does not want that today. God has created each of us in this room not to be cowards, but to be conquerors today. You are more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. You see, God's created us to be champions, champions for him. And the way that we become champions is by gauging in this battle, by putting on, putting on the full body armor of God. But how do we do it? How do we battle against the enemy today? Well, today I'm going to talk about putting on the helmet of salvation. Put on. Everyone say put on. Now, the first three armaments that we, that we have are really given by God. The breastplate of righteousness, the, the belt of truth, the feet shod with the gospel preparation of peace. I mean, the moment you get saved, those weapons God actually instills in us. God gives to us. And then this weapon is actually a weapon that we have a responsibility to put on. Everyone say, my part. Now, God's given us this weapon, but the fact is we have to put this weapon on. In order for us, in order for us to engage the enemy and win, we have to put on the full armor of God. Now, of these weapons, of these weapons, five of them are defense. Five of them are defensive weapons. The helmet of salvation is a defensive weapon against the enemy. You see, when we put on the helmet of salvation, we are not just talking about being born again. Yes, when you get born again, you receive God's salvation. But the concept here in the Greek is that it's a continuous moving forward action. We are being saved. We are being delivered. We are being delivered. And the helmet of salvation is, a, is not only a, a work of the past, it's a work of the present, and it's the work of our future. We are being delivered as overcomers, as victors through the cross of Jesus Christ. And Paul says, put on this helmet of salvation. You see, the helmet protects a soldier against a damaging blow to the head. Our state has a law that allows people on motorcycles to ride them without helmets. Not every state in the country has that because doctors and people re recognize and realize that people driving around on motorcycles with helmets are very, very vulnerable to head damage. The fact is today your head is one of the most sensitive parts of your body. And you think about it. If someone throws something at you really quick, the first thing you do is you put your hand up. You want to block your head. You see, the enemy comes to bombard your mind with deception, deceit, with lies, with doubt, with discouragement. He bombards you. He bombards the mind. Spiritually speaking, the helmet of salvation provides hope and protects the mind against anything that would disorient or destroy the Christian, such as doubt, discouragement, or deceit. Satan wants to make your mind his headquarters. Satan wants to make your mind his headquarters. And the only way that you can combat him today is by putting on the helmet of salvation. You see, the battlefield today for you, the battlefield for me today is my mind. Satan wants to capture it. First Peter, Paul, Peter says it like this. Be sober-minded. Everyone sober-minded? Come on, say it again. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring. He's like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. If your helmet of salvation isn't on, he can fire fiery darts of doubt, deceit, lies, unbelief, fear, whatever it is, temptation, tests, battles. He'll just fire them into your mind. And if your helmet of salvation isn't on, he'll just lodge those fiery darts right into your brain. 
You'll think thoughts. Where in the world did that come from? And you'll begin to think things about people. And things will begin to come into your heart. Bitterness and hurt and pain and unforgiveness and doubt. And lust will start to take over. Addictions will start to capture your heart and your soul. See, those are fiery darts that have gone into the mind. That's where your battlefield is. The longest journey of your life today, the longest journey of your life is this thing right here, this brain, this way that we think, to see it transformed, to see the power of Christ transform the way that we think. You see, Satan has come to not only darken the mind of the sinner, the unbeliever today, the person who has rejected Christ, that hasn't put their faith in God, cannot fight against the enemy. They don't have the helmet of salvation to stop the fiery darts of the enemy from going into their mind. Paul the apostle says that the, that the unbeliever has his mind darkened by Satan. Darkened by the enemy. Blinded. Can't see the truth. Can't receive the truth. Not only can't see it, can't receive it. I was in a church service one time and we had invited this person to come to church with us. And I, you know, the worship was going on, and while the worship was going on, the individual was doing good, and she was singing some of the songs off the wall. But when the preacher began to preach the word, something very weird happened. I saw her put her hands over her ears. She tried to block that word from going out. She tried to stop that word from going into her mind. See, Satan has darkened the mind of the unbeliever. But for the believer today, Satan wants to deceive your mind. He wants to deceive your mind. Paul told the church at Corinth, I fear lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness. He's a crafty one. He's a wily one. He's slick. He's smooth. He's the father of lies. Oh, baby, it feels so good. How could it be wrong? Just one smoke, just one drink, just one toke, just one look, just one cheat on the income tax, just one fudge on your payroll time card, just one. It can't be that bad. Don't they know I deserve it? All the stuff I do around here I don't get rewarded for. See, the enemy comes to deceive. He's so crafty. Paul says that he's so crafty so that your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. Pure and devote your pure devotion to Jesus. The simplicity of fellowship, the simplicity of a relationship with Jesus. And so we take on the helmet of salvation. See the protection of the mind. The enemy wants to clobber you on top of the head. The enemy wants to bang you on top of the head. He wants to contaminate the way that you think. Paul the apostle says, the weapons of our warfare, they are not carnal, but they are mighty through God. They're the demolishing of strongholds. We demolish strongholds and arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. We demolish them. We put on the helmet of salvation. Now, all of us are influenced in our culture. All of us in this room have the potential to be contaminated in our minds. The three primary ways that I see the, the enemy using it in our generation is through movies, through media, and through music. Through the movies that we watch. The movies that mock the things of God, that, that laugh in the face of God. The movies that we watch that accept things that are outside of the biblical revelation of God's best for humanity to accept those that norm. And then that people that try to walk out the truth and the revelation of God to make those look like they're funny, to make those look like they're weird. 
people who are Christ followers, people who are people of the book and are movie and entertainment are many times are vilified and to make to look like clowns and goofballs. The fact is today, the movies that we watch have a direct impact on the way that we think. They put thoughts and ideas and what came first, art or, you know, did art imitate, uh, uh, did imi- uh, life imitate art or did art imitate life? I would say it's both. It's both. Movies have an impact. Movies are designed to move you. Many times movies are good and they move you towards a good thought or a good action. But many times movies sow a seed of unbelief and doubt in people, in God, and in our world. We're bombarded by media, social media, Instagram. We're connected with our phones 24 hours a day. I mean, how many of you woke up in the middle of the night, just checked your phone to see if somebody had texted you? I mean, come on. We have information. You get a pop-up, and it's the news cycle, 24-7. It never stops. Information. You, you try to get away from it. You, you go to a restaurant like I did a couple of weeks ago, and I walked into the bathroom, and there's a great big giant large screen TV in there with the news on. Then uh, uh, a little while ago, I went to the gas station, just pumping my gas, and I pulled up into these, one of these newfangled gas stations, and they got a TV there, and there's information. There's news going 24-7. You can't escape it. It's everywhere you go. And I were bombarded with thoughts, images, music. Music has a way of gripping our soul. I mean, you, you remember exactly where you are, where you were 27 years ago by one song. Right? One song. You just remember. I remember exactly where I was. I was walking through the mall and I heard this song, Ooh, ooh, that smell. Can't you smell that smell? And I'm walking, and I'm like, what in the world? It took me right back 35 years ago. I mean, you, music has a way of stimulating something inside of us like nothing else. And much of the music in our culture glorifies things that God hates. Why? Because those things bring destruction and death to our life. So we have to watch our hearts. We have to watch our minds. We have to recognize that we have control. We have control over what we watch and what we see and what we hear today. So how does the helmet of salvation protect us today? We do it by what? By refueling our mind. Everyone say refueling our mind. Philippians chapter 4, the Bible says, Finally, brethren, whatever is true. Hear me today. Let's read this out loud together. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, Whatever is of good repute, if there is anything excellent and anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. Come on. Dwell on these things. Meditate on these things. Meditate on them. Meditate on them. Boy, you'll hear a news report. It'll just make you so mad you want to go out and punch somebody. Come on. I mean, we're walking through the most fascinating Time in American history, for me anyways. I want you to know today, God isn't a friend of this political party. God isn't a friend of that political party. God is a friend, as he's always been. God is a friend of sinners today. That's who God is for. God is for you. Satan has come to divide and destroy. God has come to unite and build. We can do more together than we can apart. Hear me today. The way that we do that are people who walk in truth, walk in honorable, honorable way of living, walk in right, walk in purity, walk and think of things that are lovely, good repute, things that are excellent, things that are excellent. So we refuel our mind 
contrary to the messages of our world that are a constant negativity and doubted unbelief. We, review, we refuel them with things that are good, right, and true. And then we also, we have to renew our mind. We put on the helmet of salvation by renewing our mind. Romans chapter 12, Paul the apostle says, and do not be conformed. Everyone say conformed. One translation says, do not be molded into. Do not be shaped by the value system of this world, but be continuously, be continuously transformed by the renewing. Everyone say renewing. The renewing of your mind. You're in a battle today. You're in a battle today. Messages and media have bombarded you continually. And in order for you to think differently, in order for you to think the way that Christ thinks, in order for you to live the kind of life that Christ has called you to live, you got to renew your mind by the power of his word. One author said, too many minds are like plastic bottles flowing in the ocean of ideas and values of this world. It just goes wherever the current takes it. Our minds just have a tendency to go wherever the world takes it. And so we put on the helmet of salvation. But it's not just enough to take on the helmet of salvation today. We must take up the sword. Everyone say sword, sword. of the Spirit. See, all the other armament that we have on today is defensive. But now we're starting to get into playing some offense. Next week there's going to be what? Come on, next week, next Sunday is what? Super Bowl 51. All right? Now, it's not the team that scores the fewest amount of points is going to win next week, right? It's a team that scores the what? The most points. Both teams, man, they're offensive powerhouses. But I guarantee you next week, if Atlanta doesn't shut Tom Brady down, the New England Patriots are going to be Super Bowl champions once again. That Brady... I mean, who remembers the flake game? We don't remember that anymore. We remember 51, champions, Super Bowl of the world. You see, the fact is today, the fact is today, a great offense will quell a wonderful defense every time. See, we're staying on the offense as believers. We're in the offensive position. We recognize that there is spiritual battle taking place in our life. See, the defensive nature, the defensive nature Shield of faith, breastplate of righteousness, good. But there's something about welding that sword. Something about pulling that sword out. See, has a nat in the natural the Roman army that this this sword right here would have a ball on the end, and they could whack someone in the head, and then the next moment it was about 24 inches long. They could take it out and they could ram them through the heart. It's a powerful, powerful weapon. That soldier could lose his shield in battle. He might even lose his helmet in battle. But if he loses that sword, he's dead meat. He's dead. In order for him to kill the enemy, in order for him to be victor, he has to have the sword of the Spirit. See the analogy for you and I today. The parallel between the sword of the Spirit and the Bible is striking. Because the sword of the Spirit was able to be used with deadly precision. Deadly precision precision. In our scriptures, as we look at this word here, as we look at the spiritual weapon, there were two words that were used in the New Testament for this, for this concept of word, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The word of God. One of the words in the Greek was logos. Everyone say logos or logos. The word logos or logos simply means the revelation of God that has been written down. 
the Bible that you have today, the 66 books of the Bible, the, the, the chapters of the Bible, the letters of the, the Bible. That is the logos of God. It is the written word of God, and it is used hundreds of times in the New Testament. But in our text, in Ephesians chapter 6, verse number 17, Paul doesn't use that word. Paul uses another word, the rhema. Everyone say rhema. rhema. Now you just said a Greek word in church today. Everything will be all right. The rhema wasn't just the written word of God, although it was the written word of God. It was a spoken revelation of God, a specific saying that God had dropped into a person's heart. Paul said, take up the sword of the spirit, which is the rhema. The revelation of God for you in that moment. Jesus said, if you abide in me and I, and, and I abide in you, whatever you ask, my words, if you abide in me and my words, my rhema abides in you, you will ask whatever you desire. Too many people today believe that they just quote a certain Bible verse. Say, it isn't just quoting a certain Bible verse. It's quoting a rhema revelation that God has given you for that moment. There's a big difference today. There's a big difference between knowing the Bible and having the Bible come out of your heart as a weapon when you need it in the moment. I'm sitting on my couch, bombarded with this thought. Fear, just quick. I didn't even tell my wife about it. It just came over me. And all of a sudden, this verse just popped into my brain. Blessed, blessed is a saint. Precious is the saint who dies in the sight of the Lord. All of a sudden, this verse came over my, it just, just rolled out of my thought, out of my mind. To be absent from the body is to be present from the Lord. You see, the fact is, this is not all there is on planet Earth today. Sometimes we get so stuck in the temporal that we can't see the eternal. The reality today is whether I live or whether I die, I'm a winner. I'm a, I'm a victor. I'm an overcomer. Satan will soon be crushed under my feet today. You see, you gotta have a revelation you got to the word of God dwelling richly. The rhema word of God dwelling in you. It's not enough for me, folks, to have it. I'm not there with you in your moment of temptation. I'm not there with you when you're in a battle with your spouse or struggling in your job. You have to have that word, that rhema, that revelation of God in your own heart. It is the word of God. Jesus was a great model for us. Jesus modeled for you and I what it was to live out this truth, this reality. See, the Bible, the Bible, the reality of Scripture today is that it is God's spoken word for you and me. It is God's spoken word for you and me. The Bible says that all Scripture is God-breathed. God breathes his word into holy men of old. They wrote it down so that we could study it, so that we could study it, so that we could take it in our heart. The scriptures today, the word of God is our source of truth today. It is our source of truth today. You can stand on the promises of God that are yes and amen. It's infallible. Every word of God is true. Not every word of CNN is true. Not every word of Fox News is true. Not every word on Drudge Report is true. Not every word on MSNBC is true. Not every word that comes out of Harvard is true. Not every word that comes out of Yale is true. Not every word that comes out of Columbia is true. But I want you to know today, every word that proceeds from the book of God is true today. It's true. The Bible, the sword of the Lord is our source of truth. It's not how you feel. It's the faith that you operate in that determines if you will win or lose against the enemy today. 
the word of God is our source of happiness. Jesus said, blessed, happy are those who not only hear the word, hear the word, the revelation of God, but they obey it. You see, when God drops a word into your heart, it isn't enough just to have it in your mind. You got to get it out of your heart. You got to begin to walk it out. You got to when to live out this revelation of Jesus. The sword of your spirit is your source of victory. Hosea says, I will show love to the people of Judah. I will show love to the people of City Church. I will free them from their enemies, not with weapons and armies of horses and chariots, but by my power, says the Lord, by the power of the sword of the Lord that brings victory over all of our enemies today. Someone said amen. Oh, the source of our victory is the word of God. Jesus, when he was on planet Earth, he walked this out. Jesus walked this out. He lived this. Luke's gospel, chapter 3, Matthew's gospel, chapter 3 and 4, we see Jesus experiencing a wonderful encounter with his father. The Bible says that he went down to the Jordan River to be baptized, and there as he came up out of the pools of baptism, the Bible says that the father spoke, this is my son and whom I am well pleased. At that very moment, there was a dove that descended over Jesus. That dove represents the Holy Spirit. It was there at Jesus' baptism that he was commissioned for ministry. It was from that moment that his life would never be the same again. But immediately after this mountaintop experience, the Bible says that he was, one translation says he was driven or he was led into the, by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted. He was led by the, by the Spirit of God into the wilderness to be tempted. Now, here's the deal. God, the Bible says God doesn't tempt us with evil. And God didn't tempt uh, Jesus. I mean, God didn't tempt Jesus here. Satan tempted Jesus. Here's the deal, guys. The enemy's purpose is to kill, steal, and to destroy. Jesus went into the wilderness. And there in a 40-day fast, he had been fasting and seeking God for 40 days. You know when you're most susceptible to the enemy today? When you're really hungry. You're really hungry. Or maybe you're just lonely, you're by yourself. Or maybe you're just physically, emotionally, and spiritually wore out, you're tired. Maybe you're anxious, angry. You're susceptible to the enemy's attacks today. And God gives us this wonderful example. You see, Satan only has three strategies against you and I today. The, 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 Satan's attack against Jesus is no different than the way that he attacks you and I. John says it like this, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but of this world. And it's exactly how Satan tempted Jesus, and it's exactly how he comes to you. He comes to you attacking your passions. John calls it the lust of the flesh. Your passions, the, the things that, 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 that cause you to be hungry, the, the, the food drive, the sex drive, the, the, the drive to feel good through liquor, through laziness, the violence. These are all our flesh. Now, your flesh isn't evil and my flesh isn't evil. But it's what we do with our flesh that drives us to evil today. You see, Satan comes to appeal to our physical needs Every single one of, the, of us in this room are susceptible to the lust of the flesh. And then the Bible says that Satan came to Jesus and tempted him with the lust of the eyes. 
Luke's gospel, the Bible says, the devil led Jesus up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said, I will give you all their authority and all splendor that has been given to me. And I can give it to anyone I want to if you fall down and worship me. Oh, wow. You worship me. Satan wants to captivate our hearts with idols. John said, little children, keep yourself from idols. I mean, idolatry is just, it's so relevant. It's so prevalent in our culture. It's in the stuff and the materialism and the things that we pursue. The things that we think that are going to make us happy. Satan offered Jesus all these false pre... If you just fall down, if you just do it my way, I'll give you all this stuff and I'll make you happy. Oh, no, 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 no. Lust of the eyes. We can never get enough. You can never get enough money. You can never get enough sex. You can never get enough drugs. You can never get enough happiness. You can never get... See, we, we, the whole purpose of the Christian life is to be at that contentment with God and one another, to walk in the spirit of peace, to have our feet shod with the gospel of peace. And the enemy tries to rob that. We can never quite get enough. And then the enemy came, offered him personal autonomy, the pride of life. Then the devil led him up to Jerusalem and had him stand at the highest point of the temple. And he said, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here. It's challenging God's authority, God's purpose, God's plan. Challenging God's plan for you today. You can go it alone. You don't need God. You don't need that religious stuff. You can make it on your own power. You can get yourself educated enough. You can go to counseling enough or whatever, whatever the lie of the enemy today. I want you to know you can't do it without God. You can't do it without the, without the Lord in your life today. He's too wily. He's too crafty. You have three options today. You can give in. You can give up. And everyone in this room has given in and given up at some point. At some point, everyone in this room has given in temptation. You can give up. You can fight in your own strength and power. Or you can use Jesus' method. You can use the rhema of God. You can use the revelation of God to combat the enemy. Three times every time that Satan came to Jesus. Three times Jesus quoted a rhema to the devil. Jesus answered, it is written, Satan, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus, I want you to hear this today. Jesus said, it is written, do not put the Lord your God to test. It is written. It is written. The enemy comes and bombards your mind and says, you can't do it. It's impossible. But then all of a sudden you get a rhema. You get a revelation. You get the sword of the spirit and you tell the devil, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Come on today. The Bible, the Bible comes up out of our mouth and out of our heart. It's the revelation of God. The enemy comes to you and lies to you and says to you today that you'll never have enough provision. You'll never be able to make it in this life. You'll always be poor. All of a sudden, a revelation comes up out of your mouth. The Bible says that the generous shall prosper, and you're a generous person today, and the prosperity of God shall be your portion because my Bible tells me that my God shall supply all my need according to his riches and glory. You see, you get a revelation. You get a rhema from God today. You feel tired, discouraged, worn out. The battle has you just laying down. All of a sudden, you get the word, the revelation of God, the revelation of God. He will lead me beside still waters. He will lead me beside still waters today. Oh, they, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. You see, you get a rhema. 
You get the revelation of God. How are you going to use the sword of the Spirit? Let me tell you today, you got to study it. You got to study God's Word. Paul told Timothy, study to show yourself a workman rightly dividing the Word of truth. You got to study it for yourself. It's not enough for me to get up here and quote a bunch of scripture verses to you and get you a rah rah moment. Those are all good. But you got to have it right here. You got to study it so that it gets into your mind. And then when it gets into your mind, it can get down into your heart. And you begin to saturate your heart with the word of God, with the truth of God's word and what God says about you. Jesus, when he defeated the enemy, the first thing that he did is that he rebuked the devil. It is written. It is written. It is written. Get behind me, Satan. You're no match for the enemy today. But you got to use, you got to speak the word, the rhema, the revelation of God. You must speak it forth out of your mouth. But not only do we speak it today, not only do we rebuke the devourer today, we resist the enemy. We resist the enemy. Paul told the church at Ephesus, he said, put on the formal armor of God and stand. Everyone say stand. The word stand there literally means to resist to resist the enemy. James says, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. Resist the devil. Stand against the devil with the full armor of God, with the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit and the breastplate of righteousness and your loins girded about with truth and the gospel, the presentation of the good news of peace upon your feet. And when you stand, when you stand against the devil, he will flee from you. Come on, someone said amen. So we rebuke him. We resist him. And sometimes we just got to flat out run from him. Joseph. I mean, what about, I mean, he's such a classic example. I mean, he's serving, you know, he's gone from the pit to the prison. He finds himself now working for Potiphar in the palace. Life is good. He's living large. His master gives him full reign over everything. You can have anything you want but my wife. Anything you want. And that way, Joseph's like, okay, no problem. I'm wrong. I ain't going to go there. But temptation comes. Little love trinket from Satan. Come on. It, how could it be so wrong? It feels so right. Oh, just a little toke, a little smoke, a little drink. Come on, just a little watch, a little looky, a little love trinket. It's not that bad. You can ask God to forgive you later. He knows you're weak. That woman comes in there, she's so sly, she's so smooth. Living Bible says she came in and said, hey, Joseph, have sex with me, baby. She's like, <laughs> Lucifer, <laughs> devil. She tries to grab him, and the Bible says that he ran. He ran. He ran. There are circumstances and situations and places in your life, man, you're not strong enough. You're just not strong enough. Don't fool yourself. You're no match for the enemy today. Run. Run from the devil. Not run with the devil, baby. Run from the devil. Run to God. Run to Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith today. Run to Jesus. Run to Jesus. Come on. And then finally, you got to engage in warfare prayer. You got to engage in prayer. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not natural. But they're mighty through God 
through the pulling down of strongholds. Powerful prayer. The Bible says the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous person avails much. First, he says, hey, pray, man. Pray with all kinds of prayers. If you received your heavenly prayer language, you've spoken in other tongues, start praying in the Holy Ghost. The only way you know how to pray in English, just pray in English. I mean, start praying. Start asking God, I can't do this. I need you today. You see, you have a choice. Every person in this room has the exact same amount of time every day. Say, God, I need you today. I need you, Lord. I come to you. I humble myself under your mighty hand. God, I put on. God, I'm putting on the full. I'm getting ready to go out to battle. Father, I'm getting ready to go home from work and deal with my wife. I'm going to battle. <laughs> God, I'm getting ready to take my children to school. They're going to battle. I begin to pray. God, I'm putting on the full armor today. God, I'm putting on the belt of truth. I got the breastplate of righteousness, Lord. My feet are shot with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Lord, I'm taking up that, help, that shield of faith and that helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit. I'm engaging in battle against the enemy. The Bible says that the prayers of the saints go up as sweet-smelling incense into the presence of God. And when God's people begin to pray, things start to happen. This little thing that we do here in between the worship set, it isn't just a little physical exercise so you can move out of your chair. We believe in the power of agreement. We believe that the same God that answered the prayers of Abraham, that answered the prayers of Moses, that answered the prayers of Noah, that answered the prayers of David, that answered the prayers of Samuel, that answered the prayers of Jesus and Peter and Paul, that same God answers your prayers and my prayers today. And then he says, pray for all the saints. Pray for one another. And right now, that's what I want to do for you. Close your eyes. You're in this room and you've been bombarded. I just felt like I got to pray for some of you today. Some of you, some of you today, man, you've been losing this battle. You haven't been taking up the, the hell, you haven't put it on the helmet of salvation. The enemy has bombarded your mind. You haven't been using your sword today, that double edged sword, quick and powerful, sharper than a two edged sword, sharper, divides between soul and spirit, bone and marrow. It's powerful today. You're being run rough shot by the enemy. But today you're ready. Today you're ready. So I'm putting it on. I'm going to get myself equipped. Pastor, will you pray for me? Pastor, will you pray for me? I need prayer today. Come on, on the count of three, I want you to raise your hand. One, two, three. Come on.